Bethel Church. This is uh, the Bethel Radio Hour, the first one of 2020, which it doesn't seem like it should be already. Yet. Do you have any big 2020 things? It just seems like it's going to be a big year. I, I have a 2020 advice when you're writing your check, don't put 20 because any date can be added after that. They can move it back to 2080. 2008 and recash one of your checks. Hey. Just saying, make sure you write 2020 out. There's do people still write checks? Ten, yeah. They do? Okay. Sure do. It's the people that don't want it to cash until Friday. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, this guy. Yeah, man. Oh, this is the 2020. This is the year I turned 40. So this is kind of a big year for me. I know. I've been waiting for that one to roll 20 around. 20 plus so. 20 is 40. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's a big nice. year for me. It's got to be a good year. It just seems like 2019, an odd number, it just can't be that good of a year. So I was ready for the calendar to One roll to forget. Over. Yeah. yeah. Started off great. World War Three, looming. Yes. yes. Yeah, so. it should be fine. What's Earthquakes. The, let's go. What's the yeah. fear? No. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys are back. I hope you had a really good um, Christmas break and um, time away, hopefully, or relaxing. Um, we're going to start in Matthew Chapter 5. This will be our last Wednesday night in Matthew Chapter 5. Um, and then we'll be moving on with the life of Jesus from there. But if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Um, and again, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and we covered this weeks ago when we started talking about the Sermon on the Mount, that when Jesus preached the sermon, um, we can read Matthew 5 and 6, and we can read through his Sermon on the Mount. It would take us like, what, seven minutes maybe? But obviously Jesus preached much longer than that, so we're getting Amen. kind of the important pieces of the sermon. Um, certainly worth reading, and um, I've learned a lot just even in the Beatitudes about what Jesus was trying to communicate, and oh, that we could all just follow these instructions and live this way, um, how much more effective we would be. But um, if you've got your Bible, this is Matthew chapter 5, and we'll just do um, 38 right now. But you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Um, so what is Jesus saying here, and why was this relevant first to the crowd that would have been listening? Yeah, so every line of this section is going against our nature, completely against our nature, Un unnatural behavior. And if there's anything more persuasive of a supernatural God is supernatural behavior. And Jesus is setting the bar. I think we said this in another group. I'm not sure it was in this group, but... Um, Jesus raises the bar a whole nother level when he talks about these standards versus what the Old Testament law told him to do. So not just an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you, resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. You, you essentially, what's dampen or, or annul evil in that, in that regard? Evil done to you, it stops with you. It's not easy. There's a ton of grace that's needed for that. I, I am not natural at this. Trust me. You see me driving? You, yeah. <laughs> this well, is not me. How pertinent is that, though? Now, are they talking about an individual basis, like between me and one of you guys? or Because in mine, the little cliff note is retaliation. So bring it to yesterday. Today. Yeah. yeah, today. So home. is this on a national level, a country level? Because mm -hmm. in some instances, do you trust in God? 
like, hey, Iran's not going to nuke us if we don't fight them? Or do you let a country or keep beating you up until a certain point? Excellent point. Excellent point. Because I, I, honestly, I think this is personal. This right. is a personal individual to individual. I believe so, too. But yeah, just to put Excellent it out point there. Though, yeah. Well, and I mean, he said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth. So wasn't that what they were being taught? Hey, if somebody do on, you know, they do it to you, do it right on back. Like, was that not the kind of law of the day, per se? Interesting that you don't hear of one single account, Old Testament or new, of it actually happening. Pretty much God's God's battles were one-sided when he went to battle, you know, against enemies. Yeah. So we had discussed at one point before in chapter, and excuse me, in verse 41, where it says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. And Gavin, wasn't that kind of how in the day, if, if you um, could just, I guess, tell someone, come with me a mile, and they, they had Roman to. They had, they would, had that. They would carry, you'd had to carry their things, and you'd have to just, if they said so, well, I've got to do it. So the first mile, you're their servant. Second mile, you're their friend, cohort. You're on a level equal playing field. Until Jesus came, none, none of them did it. And, uh, according to the people that, that I've read after, th- this was something that, and I don't know what the comparison would be for you and I. It may be for you and I to uh, help someone that, that we're struggling with, maybe on a bigoted level or, or whatever the case may be. Oh, yeah. You know, and so here's these Israelites that are absolutely oppressed by the Romans, and he tells them, "Don't, don't just do what they tell you, go the extra mile." Well, that's where Double the Christianity it. comes in, right? Yeah. Because they know they're used to the Israeli cursing them the whole way, resentment, resentment, spite. throwing their bag down when they get to the mile and such of that nature, depending on how big the Roman soldier is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for a a Peter or a Paul to carry that thing without saying a word and, and, and really trying to get to know the guy and such blows their mind, you know. I, and I think it's for both parties involved because when you're angry, if you give it a little time, mm-hmm. you're clear thinking. And probably with the Roman soldier that is so bigoted towards the servants, mm-hmm. you go that, that extra time, it softens both parties. Oh, no doubt. And I wonder how many times the Israeli did throw the bag down and then pick it back up right. because they are a Christian. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't always do the right thing the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amen. So, so some, sometimes even, you know, it, it's a, a man after God's own heart does the right thing after they've done the wrong thing, you know. And so, uh, and, and, the, and again, you know, these Roman soldiers, they're, they're, they're killers. They're, they're all this stuff, but they're people. They're absolute people. they got wife and kids at home. And so, like you said, Tom, when that starts to working on you, and it softens your heart. Well, then take that to today. If this is talking to us today, how to be Christians, um, how to win other people to Christ. Have you not heard people give a story about how, you know, what really drew them to church, what drew them to Christ was somebody doing the extraordinary, the mm-hmm. extraordinary for them, going above and beyond, doing things that you don't see, quote, normally done, um, and even think about in your own life when somebody's just gone and, and done something they didn't have to do. They, quote, went the extra mile. Does it not? It's different. We don't see it enough. And when if we did this on the regular, how much more effective as Christians would we be? So let me give it to you. This is just fresh out today. 
I said to someone, I can't remember now who it was, Jonah or Benjamin or somebody recently that I've been talking to, just kind of made an offhanded comment because, you know, I, I do several funerals and the such, and, and I always take it as an opportunity to reach people and the such. I've seen very little fruit come out of that. That may say more about me than it does just the reality of doing funerals. I don't know. But uh, to today, uh, this young man walks up to me in Walmart because me and Matt Houston were talking, and they both work there, so I assumed that he was walking up to talk to Matt. So I just basically said, okay, Matt, I'm going to let you go. And so when Matt walked away, the guy's still standing there looking at me. Can I help you? And he says, did you do Macaroni's funeral last night? I sure did. And he said, well, I was there. I said, well, tremendous. And I asked him who Mike was to. And so he, he related this story. Mike had worked at uh, Offenberg for 20-some-odd years, and they were getting ready to fire Seth because they didn't feel like he was doing what they needed him to do. And Mike, not really knowing Seth, but just knowing that he worked there, he says, give the kid a chance. Put him in here with me. Put him in here with me. I'll work with him. And, and Mike detailed cars. That's what he did. And, and basically saved Seth's job. Right. And Seth worked for him till you know, uh, pr pretty recently. Um, and, and that's why he was at the funeral, right. is because Mike had went the extra mile. And, and Mike was absolutely a Christian uh, and the such. Because he didn't have to do that. Didn't have to stick his neck out. But 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 he did. Because yeah, the kid could have been terrible. Oh, my you goodness. Know, like, yeah, right. But he saw something. Took a chance. You know, amen. Good stuff. All right. So this final section in uh, verse 43, love your enemies. You have heard that it was said you shall love your enemy or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of the Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So what is he saying here? He's opened up a whole new yeah. avenue of thinking. Yeah. Uh, well, how many times have you heard me say, because I noticed that, that I was basically treating the people that, quote, unquote, do not agree with me as enemies. Mm -hmm. and I think that's an easy thing to do. It, it is an easy <laughs> thing to do. But we see here in Scripture that, that that's not the right perspective. For, I mean, now, they may think that they're enemies to you, and they may take joy in that, and they may act like an enemy, but it's so important that you and I do not allow ourselves to buy into that they're the very people we're trying to reach and, and they, may, they may act as an enemy toward us that that we can't control that we can only control what what we do and i think that's what jesus is saying here is that you and i are going to make a supernatural difference if we control our reaction to what people are, are showing us uh and so even though i don't think in here you can find that we're supposed to like it or we're even supposed to ask for it or anything along those lines, we're just supposed to lay it at the cross, forgive them, and treat them as if they were our kin. Jesus, there's so much in this section here that, that they may that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. And if you read the Sermon on the on, in the Mountain, just highlight that phrase that you your Father which is in heaven, your Father which is in heaven. Mm -hmm. it, it's His referral and His His guiding of the mind and the eye, eye the mind's eye to the Father. 
If you want to resemble God, you've got to love your enemies. God does kindness even to those who don't know him or care about him. Um, I used to, you remember the EE program, I probably have shared this already, but uh, the EE program uses that Matthew 5:48 as an example of how we fall short of God's uh, glory. It, when it comes to salvation, it's true, none of us meet God's glory, but the, this verse says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And in this context, he's, being perfect means being able to love everyone, regardless of their relationship or status with you as a friend or enemy. Um, so putting everybody in that category of someone that you love is a lifelong pursuit way to way to think but there's a lot in that verse that, well that passage there. And, and I would have to check this uh, with uh, an interlinear to, to know exactly which word he's using here usually and, and especially in Paul's letters the word perfect does not mean what you and I know the word perfect to be right. uh, in the English language it means to be mature now he's referring to God and certainly God is beyond just mature he, he's perfect so, so the, I, like I say, I would have to check that. But certainly, think about it. Jesus was the most mature person on the planet. What did he do to his, you know, enemies? Enemies. Love them. Father, forgive them, for they yeah. know not what they do. Well, shoot. I mean, that, that's maturity. Yeah, and as we have done this um, study of the life of Jesus, that was the one thing that really kind of struck me these last few months is the way that people would be in their minds cursing him and hating him and right. thinking about how they could kill him right. and in his heart he's sad for them and right. he's not hating them or you know what I'm going to just zap them on out of here he's he's pained by that and because he loves them so much well they're, they're his creation oh, I mean yeah. it takes me to when he was on the road to Golgotha when he said pray for you don't pray for me right you know in his most desperate moment he's looking at these people he's dying right. and he's sad for them well and you I could argue a glass in my head all the time right you could argue being all-knowing he's he's looking 70 right. years down the road yeah. and he's seeing roman soldiers destroying these people you know and, and wiping them out just destroying the temple and all that so you know it makes sense that, that he would say <laughs> yeah yeah i got it bad right now but you folks right. you know because i'm yeah. going to live again well, and just like we were talking earlier about human nature, it's it's against our human nature to do good to those who do us evil. Right. That just proves his godhood, his Christhood even more. When he is that beaten and broken, he is still able to look past that. Right. You know, if, if it was us and we were getting whipped and beaten and carrying a cross, we might not be able to overcome our pain, let alone right. worry about those around us. And he clearly did that. Well, you know, we, we we reach a point in our hobbies that we get we get hurt enough, we're done. Right. <laughs> it ain't fun anymore. It ain't fun anymore. But doggone, you know, when it comes to life and death situations, yeah, I, I agree totally, Tom. All right. Um, any other comments, and we'll move forward. I'm good. All right, we're officially out of Matthew chapter five. Everybody can take your breath. Next now, time, that might be sacrilegious if you say woohoo. Well, we made a mouth. <laughs> we're not out of the sermon on the mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah, none of that <laughs> spiritual stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Man. this is a different podcast. <laughs> so uh, this is a, a a week. I'm just saying, but um, over Christmas we did some. My husband and I did something we've never done, which was we had eight days off together uninterrupted wow. uh, just vacation not go staycation not going anywhere doing anything and at the end of it I was so ready to go back to work and I was like John here's the problem I'm just saying we are not ready to be retired 
all we did was eat and spend money. Like, we can't do that. Like, we are not ready to retire. It depends on how well you retire. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, we're going to have to be bazillionaires before there we go. retire and uh, yep. have some pretty good health insurance not because retire. all we did was lay around and eat. <laughs> it was not pretty. So. Got to be working right to the end. Do you have what I'm just saying? I do. You got it up there. Uh, there it is. So I walk into Wagner's today, or yesterday maybe. I can't even remember now which day it was. Huh. And there's happy birthday, Julie Rayfield. So you got to know, I don't, does she still do it, Randy? Does she go every, do you go every day and get a soda? So you made every, the big time, every, <laughs> well, Julie. So my, I'm just saying is, is that how to know when a local business depends on you. <laughs> yeah. that, they give, they you, give a you a happy birthday. birthday. Sign. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Rayfield, a, amen. They even did. colored balloons and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. a personalized sign. That it wasn't even a computer print off. I'm pretty yeah. sure... Did you go in there, Julie, that day? Was it Regina that did that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm just saying, you know the people by a first name basis too, Ben, so I don't know about We should see a sign up there for you in yeah. July. We, there for a while, we, we're going at different schedules now, but there for a while, I would always see Julie <laughs> at the store. Uh, we, we were going for our soda breaks at the same time. They had one of these at Starbucks for me. Oh, there you there go. I believe it. <laughs> or I'm just uh, saying Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Cracker Barrel, yes. <laughs> Thanks Still to all that. of our stockholders. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you gotta, that was mine. That was yours. Oh, that was yours. Oh, yours. oh, I got another weird spiritual one. No, well, so this right here. Okay, listen. So, so Jesus you know, did blackface? Well, no, that, well, no, hey, I, it's I funny. Mean, I kind of feel like that's what Jesus did look it's like. It's funny. Oh, well, that's the thing, you well, know. I mean, that, I, you got to look at the people in the areas today. That's like, it. Right? It's, so I read an article that all these, you know, great scientists and theologians and that, they compiled all this information, and they came up with the best picture they could think of what Jesus possibly closest resembled. And um, I remember a couple of years ago, I went to, at the St. Charles Family Arena, a Christmas concert, like with Laura Daigle or <coughs> one of them famous sure. singers. And they would show videos and the Christmas songs. And one of the first times Jesus came on the screen, he was clearly a full-blown Arab man. And for a second, it took me back. And I just wondered, you know, if us as Christians and maturing Christians, if this, when you see this image, how do you feel? You know, do we have a preconceived image of Jesus you know, is it the beautiful blonde hair, blue eyed oh, Jesus? No, I picture you know? with different colored eyes. Well, I've right. thought about this since I was a little kid, and I do not know why. But I can remember asking my sister at like maybe eight years old, and she's all of a wise, 13 years old. And I said, what do you think Jesus looks like? And she said, I don't know, probably like the way people look there today now, Tara. It's still a place on the map. And then I was like, oh, that makes sense. Right. Okay. So, so in my mind... I've created. Sure. My Jesus looks like that. Maybe well, blue eyes, though. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe longer hair. <laughs> well, I, I mean, me personally, I, I, I've never bought into that he was blonde-haired, blue eyes. Right. right. Uh, but I mean, he, he was a Jew. Right. So I don't call Jewish people Arabs. Right. Uh, Middle I, Eastern yeah, looking. Sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. And I have no clue if Jewish people and uh, Arabs are gigantically different looking. I, I wouldn't say they are. Right. I, I would say they're pretty similar. I mean, you look at Benjamin Netanyahu, right. who is an absolute Jew. That, that's not necessarily a close comparison. Right. I'll say this too. The hair's probably too short. Right. Because he had a Nazarite vow. Right. So um, now, I, I agree with you absolutely that we can't Americanize Christ. Yeah, well, and it's just an internal check because some, sure. like when I said, it was probably a 
prejudice style thought the first time I saw Jesus like this. I'm like, whoa, have I been conditioned against this type? You know, in our country, we're conditioned right. against Middle East. You know, from if, if you were born after 2001, you have an image of Middle Eastern people. There's no, oh, sure, sure. So it was just an internal check that if somebody said, this is what Jesus looks like, what does your heart tell you? And if it's like, oh, that can't be. Right. Maybe you should check yourself and sure. it'll soften sure. your heart a little bit. A- amen. Well, red and yellow, black and white, they're all well, precious in the sight. That makes right. me think on a different level, too. Maybe we've conditioned ourselves to, um, in American society, or just the way we think about Jesus, that maybe we don't think of him enough as the loving, kind, gen- like the, the way, the things that have come out in these last um, several weeks of us studying the life of Jesus. It has made me realize that in my mind I've pictured Jesus as way too weak um way too I don't know I haven't made him as big as he is in my mind right or understood how kind he was in my mind or understand how loving he was and I just have not had um the image that matters mm-hmm. if you will like which is not the physical at all I, I haven't made it as grand and beautiful as he really is Jeff uh, Watson always is going to bring the spiritual deep side to it looks like Colin Kaepernick he says I, I actually <laughs> thought that too I did I it did. is the Colin sorry Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, oh my but yeah so so that was my I'm just saying yeah, yeah. If this image popped up right what's the first thing that comes to your mind I'd watch that it was a funny cartoon it was in, inappropriate for children and probably true Christians well, so I quit watching are it still in the playoffs yeah they are anyway. but but anyways Jesus returned and he was like five foot one and everybody was standing there they were like <laughs> They're just kind of looking at him. He's trying to talk and do his thing, and they're like, we just expected someone taller, you know? So So there's a verse. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says that he did not have any... Former stature. Former stature that would make you... you He he was basically comely. Comely. You know, and they said... Come in. There you go. Yeah. And when I sent that picture to Brad Bannerman the other night, he said the same thing. He quoted that verse. And he was like, you know, the Bible's telling us he wasn't a spectacle of a. It wasn't Tom Cruise. Right. Tom Cruise is like five foot one, though. He is five foot one. Yeah, if even. (laughs) All right, as usual, we have gotten way off track. I'm just saying. So for our next topic, um, we had Youth Alive last week, and um, I have two. 15-year-old boys who, I mean, the kind of texts they send me are things like, I'm out of lunch money. <laughs> Can you schedule me a haircut? That's right, 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 right. Come That's pick me you up. bring me Subway. Practice is over. Like, yeah. I don't get texts from my boys that hey, are anything. Mom, I love but, you. Yeah, no. You're the eh, best. Maybe they don't send texts of nature, you know, of anything descriptive, um, especially the one shall remain nameless. But w- during teen conference, one of them texts me, and he says, Tom Nays just spoke exclamation he's all excited and I was like really which I knew you were going to speak but the really was I can't believe my son actually texted something that wasn't a complaint or (laughs) something like that and uh, I go really how was it and he said one word fire which is awesome in you know millennial talk like the chicken you made was fire mom that means the chicken was good (laughs) and so one word description was quote fire and I was like, what did you like? You know, so then when they came home, both of them were like, Thomas Nays did so good, and he did this poem, and it was so good. Um, and they usually don't ever talk about anything. So I was going to turn this part over to Tom and just say, you know, tell us a little bit about Team Conference. Like, what was your um, thought going into it, what you were going to say, and why you chose what you did choose, and um, if you could share a poem or two that you shared with the kids. 
Well, yeah, great. Um, I absolutely loved hearing that. That's affirming. You know, I think anybody who preaches or talks, when somebody comes up to you out of the blue, just like the, no the man, did you preach that funeral? Right. It's affirming. Right. You know, because no our own self-consciousness sure. gets to us sometimes. Right. Are people getting it? Insecurities. Did I sound, insecurities. Bet. Did I sound stupid? Whatever. And there was a couple things that I had to die to to truly put it out there. Um, teen conference was great. It was the first one I'd ever been to. And um, Micah Powell, he is you know, like a Red Bull can turned into a human. You know, he's just nonstop. He's got wings. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and he is, he's sold out for Jesus. He, you couldn't fake what he did Amen. on that stage. And within the first five minutes, I'm like, I don't love Jesus half as much as this guy. Oh, my goodness. And, um, but that's the devil talking. Sure. What you're about to do is stupid. You know, right. you, you know don't, don't even do that. They're gonna, well, it, it, a lot of these poems spawn from a couple of years ago, maybe five years ago, a message you said was if you get to share the gospel with something, somebody, you might have two minutes, right. maybe. And that's where a lot of this happened. Um, I had always wrote poetry um, from earliest writing. I don't know, it just was something in me. And, um, but it never went nowhere, silly stuff. And it just one day, I, somehow, something scriptural would come down. I was like, wow, that's pretty neat. And I'd share it with somebody and it would stick. And one reason, so what I do for the people listening that don't know is it's called spoken word. I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. So I started typing it at yeah. the internet. There's people that do that. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And if you think about the earliest moments of anything, you could sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, or the Bible tells me so. Mm -hmm. It's a rhyme, but it sticks with you. Right. And with the scriptural poetry, a lot of times I do it, I love it because if something will pop in my head, if you said, hey, let's talk about uh, Nehemiah next week. Well, I'd get in and I'd start researching and way I could remember things was to rhyme it. I'm terrible at remembering scripture, but if I can rhyme it, I would memorize it. And so, and with like your son saying that, it sticks to people for some reason. I've had big old bikers come up, man, that was something. I don't know how you did that, but that was cool. Were they 5'1"? No, they're like six <laughs> months old. big old biker. A big old biker. That's one of the one things. One percenter. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, I, I know I'm probably starting to already chase rabbits, but it's so simple, and it has to be of the Holy Spirit. The, all the poems that I shared, there's no way I could have bribed them by some. I'm not that good, you know, and it's, it's all, I, I told them there. I said, this is my collection of words. That's what I call it. If I ever write a poetry book, that's the name of it, and there's going to be subtitled Mostly Gods, because it is. It was all scripture. I could take you to every verse, but the Holy Spirit allowed them to flow to walk, and I just try to make it visual for people because I'm a very visual person. Sure. And with poetry, with scripture, sometimes we zone out, unless you're just like that theologian, you know? And for me, with some of the scripture, they're waiting to see what's next. They have an idea what's next, but how's he going to do it? Where is this poem going to take us? So it, it holds people's attention. And um, I had shared when our talk uh, this last Sunday night, that I've turned down opportunities to preach in the past because I wasn't quite right with God. Me and him, I was fighting him. Something in my life was challenging me. And uh, I wasn't quite at that point yet, right before this conference. And I was praying about it, and that we had a band that broke me. You know, and I, me and the Holy Spirit met right there, and I was like, all right. You know, those tears started flowing, and I was like, this is going to be able to be performed for him, not for me standing on that stage. And um, I go to a different place when I'm doing it. There was one part, and I've done them a lot, 
But there was one part that I realized, I was talking. I didn't realize what I was saying. And I was like, I better pay attention because if I mix this up, you know, uh, it's, if you mess up, yeah. it, it's known, you know, because yeah. it's got to flow. Um, but uh, I don't know, what, uh, what other questions? or? Did you have any of your poems with you that you could share? Well, uh, I guess I... Do you I, have these memorized? Now? Oh, they're all memorized. Wow. Yeah, I did 11 of them. And that was, that was another thing oh, for myself. I'd never do it as a novelty. Like, man, let's see how many I can do. Sure. You know, but um, I did 11 pieces, about 45 minutes total, probably by memory. And I like to tell the kids, you don't think you can memorize something. It's what you dedicate yourself to. Right, sure. You can memorize anything. Right. And um, when I got back from the conference, I, I haven't had any new material since about 2015. And I talked to Dr. Hooks about this, and I was like, that challenged me. I felt like, am I not being spiritual enough? Right. And but Did those pills I gave you work? Yes, they did. Because yeah. <laughs> they were meant for a dog. Poodle tranquilizers, yeah. <laughs> they no. have some visions right <laughs> yeah. away. But, so, but the poems are all the Everyone's gospel wrong. message. It doesn't, you don't have to add more to the gospel message. Sure. And I was like, maybe that was it. You know, I thought of like the Rolling Stones. How many times is Mick Jagger saying, you know, a song a million times, but if it connects to people, right. why try to improve on that? Um, but yeah, so I'd love to share one. Um, well, uh, oh. one question though: um, when you were asked to be at Teen Conference, did you know it was going to be as big as many teenagers and sponsors? Did you know the room was going to be that big and full? Like, had you been there before? No, I, I had never been there before, and um, it is the biggest event I've done. I got to do a uh, the. I've got to go to Chicago for like a homeless shelter. I've got, I've got to do little events. I did one in Chesterfield that like 10,000 people were supposed to come to. Didn't realize I was on the small stage and like seven people were there. Four of them were from the church. Thank you for coming, Pastor Ben. But no less passion. Yeah, yeah oh, know? absolutely. Because if you get that chance to declare God's word, go all in. And um, so the, I'll share one for the people that are listening. It is absolutely the gospel message. And this one was close to my heart because it, it tells you who Jesus is, how you can be saved, what your sins are. And it actually, reading this to my 82-year-old grandfather, like four years ago, he accepted the Lord that night. And uh, that m means something. Yeah, you, know? Oh you know, here in, uh, at the end of it, though, my 79-year-old grandma, she said, now, when you said Jesus is God, what do you mean? And I'm thinking, she's 79, been on this earth. Mm. And truly, you know, grandma's not lied to be right there. She couldn't connect the dots. Right. And uh, so we can't assume that you see somebody walking around at 80 years old, oh, well, they've heard the gospel message, right. you know. Right. So this one is called His Name is Jesus. And um, it's like 2 minutes, 37 seconds. I've, it's the one thing I've had to time them a lot for sure. getting a message. But this is it. His name is Jesus. And yes, Jesus is God. And if you're an unbeliever listening to this right now, all what I'm about to say may sound just a little bit odd. In the beginning, God, he created man, and he created us perfect. But you see, we, we had other plans. God had this tree, and it was beautiful and full of fruit. And he told us not to eat of it, all the way from the tip tops of the leaves down to below the bottoms of the roots. But a serpent, that is a snake, tricked the man's woman into having just a little partake. And with a bite of the fruit that came from that tree, well, it cursed us to hell. And that curse is for you, and that curse is for me. But I come to you strong because I've read this book, and it made me take not just one, but it made me take a second look. A look at my life and a look at my sin. What is a sin? Where do I begin? Sins are the things that we do, things that we know that are wrong, things that we thought were in secret. But those secrets, they have been known, known all along. 
God sees the things that we do in the dark, and if we don't stop them, we will be forever set apart. Set apart from joy and set apart from laughter. You better enjoy right now because there will be no more happily ever after. And all the things you fear and all the things you dread, well, without this Jesus, those become your prizes when you find yourself dead. So is there any hope? To answer that question, I am not at a loss because yours and my sins were forgiven. How? This Jesus was nailed to and died on a cross. But that's not the end of the story, as the preachers and the poets would say, because after three days, the stone that closed his grave, it began to roll away. How? How, I'll tell you, it wasn't by the hands of a man. It was by the strong hand of God, a God who had a perfect plan, a plan for the curse that caused us to run, and we'd be running forever, but God sent his son. With a life lived with perfection and a life lived with peace, we were supposed to be nailed to that cross, but Jesus, God's son, he took our place. So you hear what I'm saying, and maybe you're wondering, how are you saved? You get on your hands and your knees and you pray, and you pray and you pray like never before. Jesus Christ is knocking on your beating heart's door. All you have to do is let him come in. Ask him to be your savior. Ask him to forgive you of your sins, and he'll save you, and he'll call you his friend. Very good. Man. Man. That is good. Someone actually texted in um, when you were starting, and they were at the event, and in all caps, it said, it was mind-blowing. Absolutely amazing. Cool. There you go. Amen. And I 1,000% give she that to the Holy fire. Spirit. Amen. She Amen. didn't say fire. She didn't say fire, but she's also not a Gen Zer. So. And, and, and uh, Brad, at the very end, I said, I, before the thing, I told Brad, I said, yeah, I'm going to be tired of hearing my own voice. So when I'm done, can you come up? Sure. And he's, <clears throat> Brad's fire. When you need to, oh, to yeah. those kids, you know. So he came up, and uh, he made a little joke of it. Uh, um, who's the little guy that hid in the tree? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. He sang us, this bro. song, and I knew where he was going. He talked for 20 <laughs> minutes about how short I am. But <laughs> it's not like he's tall. No. But the, like no, but listen. Point. His mom but is listen, one of us. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, but... What he said is to these kids, and it's, I loved it, because he said, I will not be remembered for my stature. He said, Tom is a man who rhymes. What are you going to be remembered for? Right. I'm not yeah. rhyming about NASCAR. I'm rhyming about Jesus. Right. And hopefully your kids at 45 years old, and I'm in the ground somewhere, they'll be like, Man, there's this guy who used to rhyme about Jesus. What's his name? Zac Zacchaeus? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. You know, we'll put a three-foot statue out of your so, grave. Yeah, so whatever your... Six-inch. <laughs> sorry. sorry. No, so, and, and it boils down to Not gifts. spiritual crew. It boils down to gifts. Gifts, yes. The no gifts doubt. that God has given you. Amen. And um, it could be basket weaving. It could be preaching like Micah. It could be rhyming a poem. The Paint, Jesus painter. with your hand, yeah. The Jesus painter was unbelievable. And this guy said he could never figure out the blend. He loved painting and wanted to do what he do. And now he can help support his family by doing that. So I just if don't think that your gift isn't enough to glorify Christ. And let, let me say another word that I, and I, I've tried to get this across to the church. Gifting is an absolute synonym for me for assignment. Mm. Because your assignment is going to absolutely use your gifts. Oh, amen. It just is. I always go back to the conversation that Bob Rapold and I had walking to a deer stand one morning about 530. He was trying to compliment me. He said, Brother Ben, I can never do what you do. And even though I appreciated that and I took it as a compliment, I, I saw an opportunity. And I said, Brother Bobby, you realize that I could never do what you do. Amen. 
because I don't have the same giftings. He's built different than I am right. physically. He's got physical attributes that I do not have that he needs to do what he does. Plus, he's got mental capacities to, to figure out those blueprints. He, most people don't know this, but that, that guy can do blueprints oh, yeah. and, and architectural drawings and things of that nature. I, I can't do that. It's mm -hmm. not because I'm stupid, dumb, whatever. I'm not gifted right. in that way. Just before, we had a meltdown of technology. Everybody knows the joke is I am not technologically advanced. You know, I don't own a computer. And all that. So I had a PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> and I typed it up. I think that didn't even connect to their computers. We, it did not get uploaded till literally like three minutes before. We, I was ready to scrap because the other thing was I wasn't going to force this intro. Sure. I'm not going to kick open the door if God don't want it. He thought sure. it was terrible, so it wasn't going to happen. Sure. Well, like Craig Licklider and Clay Bannerman right. were feverishly, they got it up on the screen. You know, so their gifts with no that doubt. stuff, I didn't even know what they were using. I don't know what that is. And they got that on the screen. Well, there were some kids that loved the intro. That's because of their gifts. Right. God's word was able to come through the computer screen. So, Amen. yeah, don't think if. Yeah, because you can't sing or because you can't preach. I just, I feel like a lot of people do nothing at all because they don't feel like what they do is relative. Right. But think about, there's the Upwards basketball program. Somebody was good at basketball, had a passion for basketball, and look what that has become. Right. Or hunting. Right. Um, there's the Compass Ministries. There's right. the Truth in the Outdoors. Truth in the outdoors. You know, like that has really became a thing of an outreach that is somebody's passion and that puts the rubber to the road you know christ says do what you do all for the glory of god right. you know and it's like no matter yeah, what, what whatever whatever whatsoever things you do and david ring if, if you haven't listened to him recently you can see him on youtube uh, david's not quote unquote as big of a name as he used to be and i don't really know why that is but he's still the, the message is amazing but he's a cerebral palsy and he, he's very affected by that but he preaches wonderfully and, and one of his greatest sermons is, what's in your hand? You know, and, and he uses Moses. You know, God said, what's in your hand, Moses? Staff, throw it on the ground. Threw it on the ground, it became a snake. And so out of that sermon, he, he, he came to a place where he didn't think he could serve God. And basically, God said, I, I, I gave you everything you need to serve me. And so essentially, him preaching with the difficulties of CP is what's in his hand. You know, and he says, if, if, even if it's a handicap, right. use it, yeah. use it for God. One of the and and I'll close up. Well, you can close sure. on whatever, but one of the best um, uh, messages that were was said there, and they were through prayer. Was what is what was the Down syndrome boy's name? Chris. Chris. Oh my goodness! Like he broke the ice a few times because Mike is up there. So what do you guys think? Crickets, because kids ain't gonna talk. Chris would raise his hand. He'd break the ice. And he, uh, he said one prayer. I couldn't have understood one word he said. Sure. It was the best one there. And at the very end, he closed it out. Brad had him close out the prayer, and he talked for three, four minutes. And he kept saying, big work, big work. And it's like, if, if that didn't crush your heart, sure. he's praising Jesus as hard as he can. You bet. Amazing, amazing. So, yeah. Good stuff. Yep. Very good. Um, can I just do an eye another? I'm just saying. Sure. It's not very spiritual, but I can't help but be excited about it since Sunday is like, I'm just saying, I'm so excited that the Patriots are out of the playoffs this year. I love Ooh. football. Preach. I was so <laughs> excited. Like, what? My husband actually woke me up and he was like, Dara, the Patriots are out of the playoffs. I was, like, what? I was hoping Bill Belichick's head would actually explode. Like, I was like, what? Christmas came early for me Amen. in that response. 
uh, in respect. Let, let me just read this because uh, Randy did this for the last session. Uh, Randy has spent some time uh, in Israel and the such in the Middle East with his job. Uh, Modern-day Jews are from Europe after 1949 when Israel was formed. They look more European than Middle Eastern. So that, that was a good input. Um, and uh, Brother uh, Larry had said about the earlier uh, Bible verse uh, discussion, the Romans were some of the first to believe in Jesus and had faith in him. And, of course, that was after the crucifixion. And amen to that. Paul had a very successful ministry in Rome. And they were carrying the gospel then throughout the world. Yeah, no doubt. They were stationed everywhere. Because they had brick roads. <laughs> they build roads to those they places. Do, that's right. And they, a lot of them still exist. They that's do. That's what's amazing. We can't keep asphalt for six right, months, right, and they right. built them 4,000 years ago. So. Somehow that's connected to the how wide uh, train tracks are apart, but I can't remember the connection there. Because of the Roman road was a certain what width. Somehow the train yeah, car had to be the same. You got me on that one, buddy. Sorry. Somebody look that up. That's doctor stuff. <laughs> it just Google it. That's over my pay grade. There you go. Which is zero dollars. Mine too, so. obviously. Um, so I did this Bible study on uh, the Bible app. I, I just like to sometimes look up their plans. They call them plans. And it's just little kind of short little devotionals. And some of them are great. Some of them are not as great. Um, but this one has been really good. And it was on Reset Your Mind, Overhauling Toxic Thoughts. Um, and I'm going to read first out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Um, which is something I'd committed to memory a long time ago, but it, it just, um, if you're looking for a Bible verse to start your year on that you could memorize, mm -hmm. I would suggest starting here. Um, but Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So um, do you ever have to, like, make yourself be negative? Like, do you ever have to sit there and think, hang on a minute, let me, I got to start. Being way too positive. I'm getting, yes. <laughs> I got to, I'm over here getting negative, you know, like, give me a minute. Like, we naturally go there. Um, someone had said, uh, you know, just on average, a human thinks sixty to 80,000 thoughts per day. That's mm. a lot. Um, it's easy to let those thoughts go places they're not supposed to go. No wonder um, it's so tired. Yeah, exactly. I know. That's why I need a nap in the afternoon. Um, but that's a lot. And a lot of them, if we're not careful, it's very easy to just focus on anything negative. Um, anger or, you know, fill in the blank, worry. Insecurity. Just, oh, yeah. Whatever your, your negative thought is, it's easy to go there. It's easy to stay there. Um, and Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 actually gives us, if you will, a guide to test our thoughts. Um, because with each one of these characteristics that they mention um, is something to consider, um, test your thought against each one of these aspects. So, for example, take true. So whatsoever things are true. So this Bible study reads, one of the most important things to consider in our thoughts is are they true? Mm -hmm. Too often our thoughts are just simply not true and need to focus on what is real and what lines up with God's word. Um, I had done a, a book I'd read lately, um, recently, and it had said, you can stop a anxious, fearful, worrying, just a negative thought by just the first thing saying, if what, what am I thinking? Is this true? Or am I trying to invent the future? Am I imagining the future? Mm -hmm. Am I trying to predict the future? 
taking past events mm -hmm. and predicting the yeah, future. You're with trying to predict the future. What did they mean by that? It means sometimes, yeah, you see, right? You see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Well, what, what, yeah. Well, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, well, what, what would I do in, in that situation? And before you know it, you've got this whole fantasy world going yeah, where like, you're telling them off. You yeah. Know? And, and, so, and if anger is kind and of And you're fired and looking yep. for a job. Right, right. <laughs> oh, but now I've lost a house and my family's homeless. I knew it. So I knew this I was coming. I, I was knew this fired. would happen. Yeah, I knew if I told my boss I would get fired. Does that boil down to assumptions, too? Oh, oh sure. sure. And that's in Philippians, not to assume you know, uh, so many times, me and my wife go back and forth. She'll be like, well, they're probably. I'm like, no, they're not probably. That's us assuming. Yeah. If it happens, then we can deal with it. We what cannot. is true right now? Yes. So uh, this is, again, this is the test to go through this, memorize this verse, and take it piece by piece. And what's, focus on, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Start there. What I'm thinking is this even true? Am I angry at someone for no reason? Have I already, have you ever had a complete fight in your mind with oh. somebody like i mean i've that's, that's what i'm talking oh, about oh man yeah. or i've had the fight and then later i'm like oh what i should have said was and then i have the fight again <laughs> those are the worst with what like, i man, wish that, i would have yeah. said but i didn't and i'm just gonna hang on to that um <laughs> and that, write that down yeah I, i'm sure i'm the only one but um so start with truth and then whatsoever things are noble and this is obviously he's got a oh it's up there whatsoever things are noble um because we're children of God, we're in the highest rank. Our thoughts should be royal, um, not in an arrogant way, but in not allowing ourselves to think in any unkind or repulsive manner. It's pretty easy uh, to think in a repulsive manner. And the way they said that sounds horrific because it's true. We can have repulsive thoughts, and that's not noble. Um, whatsoever things are right, um, we like to be right, don't we? Oh, like, yeah. I, oh hate I hate to be wrong. I'm wrong so much, I too. Hate, I hate being wrong more than I like being right. Yeah, I, for sure. Well, I mean, we like, we like to be right. Um, Amen. So in our thinking, if this is the test for which we're going to gauge the sixty to 80,000 thoughts that pass yeah. through our mind each it's day. It's going to clog the filter up. Oh, boy. Um, thinking right thoughts mean allowing accuracy and appropriateness to guide us. Um, but often we don't allow um, ourselves to, like, let what is right permeate our thoughts. What's in our What's in our loop? What's in our constant thought loop? Well, there's another. God doubles down many, many times. Take every thought captive. You know, so that should already be in place as a safeguard for that this. That is so hard scripture. to do. It is. Yeah. Well, something else to go ahead, Tom. Well, and I was going to say, and it starts with when you wake up. Pastor Ben says it all the time. Oh, put Look, on the armor as yeah. soon as you get up. <laughs> the first thing, when I wake up, uh, there for like three days, when I first got this phone, I was like, oh, what's the news say? I wasn't up like two minutes. Well, now when my eyes open up, good morning, Lord. Thanks for letting me wake up. Amen. It changes your whole day. Amen. And uh, just one, one more stepping stone around the, the block here. You guys know I've been working on this, the greatest commandment, forever. And hopefully it's coming to a close here. But... This is Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Master, um, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto, unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. In this last part of the finishing up this writing, that phrase has really been sticking with me, loving God with your mind. What does that look like? It's, it's this verse. It's thinking how God prescribes to think. And Jesus touched on it and then you know, just was marveling at how all of these passages of scriptures that we're talking about tonight connect through this loving God with your mind. 
Uh, Jesus started the process of pe people thinking differently on the Sermon on the Mount. Instead of going one, go two. Mm -hmm. So you start to think differently about the guy you're carrying with in, in the a second mile. You love thy neighbor, I'm sorry, love thy enemy. That's a new way of thinking. So loving God with your mind has a lot of different avenues. And, and uh, Tom and I have shared several times when he talks about his poems, he, he, he listens with his mind and he, he will tell you, he starts, these poems start with him hearing them or thinking them in his mind. It's just another way that he, Tom, loves God. He's listening in his mind to the, to the rhymes and to the scripture verses that have been tumbling around in there for a while. So loving God with your mind is, I'm sorry, Tom. I'm, he's about he's, to he's, he's, he's No, gonna, no, he brought up something I wish I would have brought up. Don't force it. Right. That's what, that's what makes those poems so beautiful. Just yeah. yeah. You just, they write themselves. And if I, oh, this has got to rhyme with this. No. Tom, you need to be submitting these to Kanye West. Like, no you could doubt. be really, really getting some payback yeah. off I've of got a plan. <laughs> I do. Hey, you know, I mean, yeah, never mind. Yeah. I got a plan for Kanye. Gavin and I decided 30 years ago that we were going to let inspiration take over with a magazine that we, we were going to do. 30 years have passed. Yeah. <laughs> inspiration It was a came. really good idea, It too. was a great idea. I just can't remember it now. So. You're right. <laughs> Um, so whatsoever things are pure, um, to be a pure of heart, this says, is not as difficult as it, seem, as it seems. Just think on things that are ethical, good, honest thoughts. Um, again. Let them be loving to God. Yeah. And uh, what you had said about um, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, how do you love God? Um, you keep his commands. You yeah. obey you him. You love me, keep my commands. You obey him. And where does that start but in your mind? Right. There's nothing that we do that we don't think about first. Right. So, I mean, Whatever obviously. Whatever you think about, you're capable of. Oh, for sure. scary. So, um, how much better would it be if we were actually thinking on things that were noble and right. pure and lovely? If we were thinking on those things, um, how often maybe the things that w we did maybe wouldn't have happened if our thoughts were in the right place Amen. from the start. Um, whatsoever things are lovely. Um, we don't use the word lovely very much. Uh, just We don't. Um, we probably should. Um, but to think on things that are lovely means to see the beautiful and the stunning in life and allow mm. our minds to think upon those things. Often we'll say some, it's so easy because the world has so many, um, I mean, scary things in it or um, ugly things in it. Uh, I was talking about um, the little the two boys that lost their life and how um, hard that had to be and my daughter was in the class of one of the boys and she brought home this calendar and I was saying at work how on Christmas Day she gave me this calendar that she worked on you could tell they'd worked on it a lot had all these just colored these homemade pictures for each month and it was just so cute and you could tell they worked really hard on it it was really good and she gave me that calendar and all I could think was that little boy made the same calendar for his parents. And I'm telling the story, and it was making me, like, so sad. And a girl I work with said, oh, his mom is going to treasure that the rest of no her doubt. life. And she made it lovely. Right. Yeah. And she I turned just, it around. And can't, well, could we just not do that with everything? When somebody says something bad, there is something lovely that could be said about that. Well, and iron sharpens iron. She said something lovely, and it probably changed the way you thought of that little calendar. Oh, instantly. Yeah, you know, my wife has saved every pencil, crayon, draw. I've got crates of this stuff, you know, and once in a while, I'm like, she drew this nine years, you know? Well, it, it is lovely if right. you slow down and look at it, you know? Um, so whatsoever things are admirable, admirable thoughts um, are distinguished and allow us to live in such a way that is commendable. Um, excellent whatsoever things are excellent. 
and I love this, excellent thoughts lead us to an excellent life. They, you have excellent thoughts, you have an excellent thought life, leads to excellence. Um, whatever things are praiseworthy, oh my gosh, like you said, the first thing you wake up in the morning, thank you God, thank you for allowing me to wake up this morning. That's worthy of praise. Um, if you woke up and you could see you had vision, that's worthy of praise. Um, Everything we see around us is so worthy of praise. The sun coming up, the sun going down, the trees, all of it. Well, just with that morning prayer, am I talking too much? No, uh, no, I, I... Oh, I saw you laughing. No, I had heard a quote and it changed my life. If you woke up tomorrow morning with everything you thanked God for tonight, what, what would, would you have? have? <laughs> Yikes. Very little. Yeah. <laughs> amen, amen, it's good stuff. Um, so I guess that's my challenge um, to ever myself, <laughs> starting right here, is test your thoughts today. Test your thoughts every day and test them against these things. What is true? What is noble? What is right? What is pure? What is lovely? What is admirable? What is worthy of praise? What are you thinking about? Um, I think that alone changes, changes your life. It's a life-changing verse. How you think is a way of loving God. And how you think about your neighbor is... is is like loving God or like thinking badly about God. So, Well, and every one yeah. of those is descriptive of Jesus, each Amen. one of those. So you could sum it up with, if you're thinking about Jesus, you're on the right path. You're probably not going to rob a liquor store if Jesus is on the front of your mind. An so. Another test is, would I feel comfortable talking about this over coffee with Jesus? Right. Hmm. Very good. So you guys have heard me refer to uh, the book Telling Yourself the Truth uh, by William uh, Backus. And I have honestly gotten more from that book just from the title, because that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Telling, and it starts yeah. with that. Tell yourself the, the truth. truth. Well, whatsoever right. things are true, true. that's right. the first one. And uh, he talks about self-talk, and I, I still struggle with it today. But it used to be even worse before this book came out, type thing, because if I'm not careful, I run myself. I mean, I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. And I, I tell myself, and of course, the <laughs> devil the devil jumps in there and he does oh, his part, yeah. you know, and all that. But this book has helped me realize that I, I'm just helping my enemy, you know, my, yeah. my true enemy. Yeah. My true enemy. Not flesh and blood, but the principalities of, uh, and powers. And so when the devil starts telling me, well, you stink, you're no good, all this. It's simply not true. I'm a child of the king. I'm a royal blue blood. I'm an heir to the throne. And, and you've got to do that. And so I, I just discovered while you were sharing there, and I looked that up, uh, you can actually, uh, they've got it online now. You can just read the whole book online, and you don't have to buy it. Uh, but it, it's, it's an extreme. What was the name of it again? Telling Yourself the Truth by William Backus. If you'll type that in, it'll come right up because that's all I did. Or your phone has already heard it, so it probably has already there pulled it go. up for you. Yeah. Right. Um, somebody texted in, uh, God woke me up and told me to enjoy the world that he made um, for us. And I go. said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Good stuff. All right. Should we end with some New Year's resolutions? Do you oh, have a resolution help us. this year? Did you get a Peloton? Did not get a, have a scared look into the camera. Although my husband did say, I told him his toxic masculinity was overwhelming me, and he said, "Watch it, or I'll get you a Peloton." I get you a Peloton. <laughs> I didn't know whether to say thanks or not. I wasn't sure. Controversial well, commercial. so, I, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's my yearly effort to uh, lose weight and, and get on a healthy way and the such, um, and, and, and six days in, so far so good. Uh, seven days, I guess, today. 
Um, and then Sunday, you know, listening to the kids uh, talking about one person, you know, have one person on your heart that you're trying to win to the Lord. And so I'm, I'm asking God to give me that one name. That is a discipline that I have tried uh, in the past to always keep about. Um, and then one verse. So I, I've got uh, Psalm 9611 uh, mostly memorized. Uh, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Probably going to preach on that Sunday simply because uh, that's obviously a verse about rejoicing and praise. And when you look at before and after, it's quite shocking what you're rejoicing and praying, praising mm. about. And again, with the thoughts. Yeah. If you just kept cycling that verse right. through your mind, yeah, let the heavens rejoice. every time let something the negative came up and you just let were the like, seas roar. Let me stop, I love that word. Let me stop you right there, thought life, and then just right. went into uh, that Psalms. Amen. Yeah, read, read Psalms 1. Yeah. As far as meditating on God's word and it bringing fruit in your life. Um, his word is, will not return unto him void. It'll accomplish what he sent it for. When you expose yourself to it, it's like exposing seed to soil. Things start to grow and change. Fruit starts to be produced. And uh, an interesting thing about that passage, it actually talks about essentially the two different types of, of storms that you can have. You can have uh, just a real quick, you know, deal, and you can have what we call a slow soaker, you know. Uh, and jokingly, I've used that before, that God's okay with a long sermon occasionally, hmm. you know, because he has those slow soaking uh, rains and such. Uh, but but his word is not going to return to him void, uh, and I just that's good stuff. Um, yeah, I've got a New Year's resolution. It happened the night we got home from uh, a live conference, and I said a prayer that I've always said when I get back on fire for God, and um, because we have seasons, oh, yeah. unfortunately. Cycle. Well, um, I'm actually preaching January 26th, and my New Year's resolution, it's, it's a very uplifting message, but it's also one of those steel-toed messages, because I'm glad God gives second, third, fourth chances. And like resolutions, I've had resolutions with God, and I keep failing on them. And uh, Galatians 6-7 came to me, uh, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, man reaps what he sows. Amen. And I was like, how many times have I asked you for this, God? And I keep, I'm the one failing. Right. And uh, it was like, Am I, am I mocking him? Right. Am I playing him for a fool? It's me that keeps failing, not him. Sure. And so that's what that message is on. So mine is not an earthly, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I hope I do, you know. But, uh, but it's trying to keep my scriptural life with Christ and my oaths and that to him true this year. I gave up on the, the New Year's resolutions. I, I'm trying mottos out. My new motto for this year is I'm pursuing excellence. Don't get in my way. I'm just trying to get my Christmas decorations. That's really all I've got so far for 2020. And to successfully turn 40. Gracefully. <laughs> gracefully. I like that. I like that. Success. Oh. Coming one way or the other, yeah. I did, see, I did see a great Facebook thing today. It said, Dear Facebook, please quit suggesting friends that I might have something in common with. I know them, and I do not like them. <laughs> <laughs> that there's a reason yeah. they're not friends already. Well, that's all we've got tonight. Thank you guys for starting the new year off with us. We will see you next week, and we'll be continuing on in the life of Jesus. Thanks, everybody. Thanks a lot. Matthew 6 next week.